Welcome to Triple E, where we elevate, enhance, and expand your mindset with your host, Jessica Schmidt. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Triple E. As promised, I have an amazing guest for you today. She is someone who is really special to me and someone who I feel exemplifies our topic for today, which is chasing your dreams. She is someone who has done that throughout her life and has a great perspective on success and drive and how to go after goals and dreams. And my guest is Marguerite Luxick. She is a native of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and is the founding artistic director of Central Midwest Ballet Academy in Middleton, Wisconsin. Miss Luxick danced professionally with Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, Ballet Austin, Chicago Ballet, Peoria Ballet, and Madison Ballet. She performed works by choreographers such as Stanton Welch, Thaddeus Davis, Paul Gibson, Ben Stevenson, Stephen Mills, and Terrence Orr, as well as dancing lead roles in Balanchine's Who Cares, W. Earl Smith's Dracula and Nutcracker, and Peter Anastos's A Midsummer Night's Dream. She has served on faculty with the UW-Madison's Dance Department, Madison Ballet, and Children's Dance Theater of Rochester, Minnesota. Miss Luxick worked with the Overture Center of the Arts in both their Arts Integration and Jerry Award programs, managed education and outreach for Madison Ballet, and guest teaches with other local and regional dance academies. She has choreographed classical and contemporary ballets, including co-creating Pineapple Pole, an original one-act comedic ballet with Michael Knight. I know Miss Lexic as Molly. She was one of my former dance teachers. I attended Central Midwest Ballet Academy a few years ago. And she has been a really big inspiration and motivation for me, especially in my dance career. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode because she knocked it out of the park. She blew this first episode out of the water. Let's jump right into this discussion. Molly, I'm just going to have you give a brief background to everyone on yourself, how you got into ballet, your dance journey, how you got into teaching, and all of that. Well, great. Well, first, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. It's very um, nice of you to think of me, and I enjoyed having you as a student, so it's really awesome to see you trying something new. Um, a little bit of my background. I'm originally from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So that's just kind of right in the center of the state's coal mining city, steel mills and everything. And I honestly can't pinpoint exactly when I started to want to dance. It's just, I, from my earliest memories, it's what I wanted. There's no moment where I saw a movie and then that's what I wanted or anything like that. It's just, I remember always wanting to do that from my earliest memories. So I started training at just a local studio that did a great job of instilling the love of it. And we got to perform a lot and we had beautiful costumes and it was really just an amazing introduction to the art And as I got older, I realized that I just needed a little bit more intense training. And so I started driving a little bit, like an hour, a little bit more than an hour or so back and forth to train in Altoona, just a different city in Pennsylvania, and to get the training that I needed. And 
then I went on to dance at Pittsburgh Ballet for a little while and then Ballet Austin for a while. And then I did some freelancing in Chicago and then finished up my performing career in Madison, Wisconsin. Nice. And so how did you transition from being a professional dancer into the teaching aspect of dance? Oh, yes. So I actually, when I first started dancing was I would have told anybody who asked me about teaching that I would never, ever do that. <laughs> I would dance and then I would go do something totally different in a totally different field or career. And um, I think I had that idea. It always seemed very high pressure to me to teach because you can, I just remember how badly I wanted that career and how much I was doing whatever the teacher asked me to do or told me to do. And that if you build a habit incorrectly, you can not only really derail someone's career, but because it is a physical thing and people are doing it, not just an hour a week, you can really cause injury to where it's going to affect the rest of their life, even if they don't dance. So it seemed like a really high pressure um, job to me to be, to be teaching dancers who really wanted success out of this. And so I didn't really want that pressure. So I thought I would never do it. But when I moved, um, when I was living in Chicago, there was a teaching opportunity and it was very young kids. And that's where most people start. And I did that for a little while and it was, and it was fine. It was, you know, the kids were cute and, and that was fine, but I didn't really think too much of it. And then when I moved to Madison, um, I was just, uh, I was dancing and there wasn't, I wasn't really like a, I had maybe been here a few weeks and the director just asked, oh, hey, whoever's teaching on Saturday can't make it in. Does anybody want to sub? And I was only, I think I was like 23 or 24. So I was pretty young. And the only real reason that I didn't want to do it is just because I was afraid of it. Like, oh, that seems scary. I've never done it. These are like higher level students. I'm like afraid of it. And nobody was raising their hand. And I just so I had more time to think. And I've kind of just always tried to have this rule of if the only reason that I'm not doing something is because I'm afraid of it, then I should try it. So I just raised my hand. And since nobody else raised their hand, I taught. And that was actually how I started teaching in Madison. And the kids were great. They were, you know, they were not five-year-olds. They were higher, highly trained high schoolers. And so they're really fun to teach. And then when I ended up moving to Madison, honestly, it was just the job security. Um, mm -hmm. The contract of my dancing was not a very long contract. And any other side job would have been difficult to manage with my dancing schedule. And so... I just wanted the job security at first. So that's really just how I got started in it. And then it, and then it built from there, but, but that was really how I, how I started. Yeah. So I want to go back to one thing you said when you said that you, you have a rule that if the reason you're not doing something is only because you're scared of it, then you have to try it. I think that's a really, really great thing to hold yourself to a great standard. How would you say that contributed to your success throughout your career? Is it something that you did multiple times throughout your career that really helped you develop skills? What role did that play for you? Oh, I think it actually was really important because there were several times throughout my career where I would do stuff 
just, and, and it's really if the only reason I'm not doing it is because I'm afraid of it, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I should do this. It's, it's an easy opportunity and I should try it, but I'm afraid of it. That just seems like a bad reason to say no to it. So mm-hmm. when I was in the second company of Ballet Austin, they had all the second company members. I don't know if they still do this, but you had to intern in some other aspect of the company. Mm-hmm. And most of the dancers picked, um, I don't remember what they called it, but basically they were teaching little kids. And one of the options was production and nobody signed up for that. And they said very rarely did people ever sign up for that because you had to learn the lighting and the sound, I guess. And so I was like, I'm going to sign up for that one. <laughs> Cause I don't like I, nobody else did. And I wasn't that afraid of it, but it was a little bit, I was more aware of the other uh, options that I had been offered. And so I just did that one. Cause I was like, well, I might as well try it. And, um, I had no intention of starting a school, you know, in my future at that point, I was only 19 then. And, um, but that little bit that I learned then did become very helpful to at least have some knowledge on how some of that stuff worked than when I did start a school. So, and there's definitely also been times I'm sure if I thought about it, I could think of examples where I did something and then I was like, yep, okay. I don't actually like that, <laughs> but I'm glad I tried it because now I know I don't like it, Right. but I, but I I'm not just afraid of it. I just don't enjoy it. <laughs> so, um, I, I definitely think it just makes me feel like I'm not, um, living a life that's based off of fear at least. And I guess for me is important. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I think fear is definitely something that stands in most people's way when they're trying to go after goals or, or dreams or something. And they, I feel like a lot of people are really good at like developing excuses that sound really great. But when you pull back that curtain, it really is just a fear that they have. And so how would you, what advice could you give to someone who maybe they have really big dream or they, they have a goal and they're just really, really scared to take a step or scared of what people might think of them. What would you say to someone dealing with those emotions? I mean, those emotions are very real. And I feel like it's so easy for people to to throw out those taglines of chase your dreams or follow your heart and all those kind of just bumper sticker taglines that sound great. They sound lovely, but in the real world, like fear is a real thing and fear of rejection. And I think just really being honest with yourself about if I try and I fail, will that for me personally be better than not knowing if I could have made it? Mm. Because, I mean, there are definitely some things, maybe the answer is yes for you. It could be, but I think you just really need to be honest with yourself because especially, um, I guess, dancing is a good example just because it's such a young career. You don't have a lot of time to to try for it. You kind of have a short window. And so just really trying to know yourself that would I rather be the kind of person that tries for what I want? And sometimes I fail, but then I know that I tried for it or is that too big of a risk for me? And I think for most people, I know for me, I'd rather try for it. Um, But I say that and I'm sure in many things in my life, I haven't. 
you know, little things here and there, nobody's perfect at it. But if it's a big goal of yours to just really think about what are you going to think 10 years, 20 years from now, if you know that you didn't try for it, will you be okay with it then? Right. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, they're able to talk themselves out of it now and they're like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like I'll just let it go. And then they get to, you know, 70, 80, 90 and you look back and you think like, I could have done so much more with my life. And I know for me, and it sounds like for you too, I do not want to get to that point in my life and look back and say like, man, I just could have done more. I just should have, I should have at least tried it. What was the worst that could happen? That's what yeah. I tell myself a lot. What's the what's the worst that could happen? And a lot of times it's just like a little embarrassment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's not that bad. <laughs> Usually. No. no. And I think people have a big fear of failure. I know a lot of people say, like, you know, oh, the number two biggest fear is fear of public speaking. There's all these different things. But I think fear of failure is a huge one for people. And a lot of people don't want to admit it. But what would you say, like, what is failure in terms of when you're going after a goal or a dream and you hit a point in the road and it's a failure or a rejection? You know, knowing the ballet world, it's something I've experienced a lot. I'm sure you experienced it, too. Does that mean that you're not qualified or not good enough for your dream or your goal? Or is it more, does it signify something else? What What is a failure, really? Um. Yeah, I think what a failure is, like, you have to be really clear about what your goal is. And I know, like, when I was, when I was younger, it was like, my goal was to have someone pay me to dance. Like, I'm good enough, that somebody's gonna pay me to do this. Um, and so failure would have been nobody offered me any jobs. Like that would have been a very clear, I had a really clear cut goal. So I would have had a really clear cut failure in that realm, um, in that exact uh, example, I guess. But I don't think that, I mean, there was a time where I thought that that was what it was going to be. You know, when you're at that point in your career where you're auditioning everywhere and everywhere and you're just getting no, 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 no. And it was, I was not sure that I was going to find a yes. Mm -hmm. And even then, for me, it was like, well, so on the surface, that would have been failure because I had no job and that was the goal. But I still would have been okay knowing that I had tried for it and, and knowing, okay, well, I did everything that I could to make this happen. And now I know for sure that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to succeed at this. And that is a really hard pill to swallow because not everybody is good enough at anything. And, you know, so having the ability to accept reality and it's like, okay, so if that had happened to me, that would have been very difficult. And there was a point where I thought that that was what was happening to me. I had was not finding a job. And that was really very hard. But it was also like, all right, well, then I guess I will be finding another path. I will proactively find another path. And I won't have regret behind me on this. Right. Yeah. And I think that and kind of 
is just like the fact that you are like, well, then I'll find another path. It just kind of shows like everything works itself out eventually. Like it'll feel like the end of the world in the moment, but life goes on. Even if you experience a failure, like it might be really hard for a period of time, but life continues, life keeps going and it will work itself out. Yes. And there will be other things for you to experience. And And they may not be the same, but there'll be something new or different. Right. And I think that's, I come from the perspective that, you know, we're being guided through this life, whatever you believe in, whether it's God or the universe or whatever you believe, I come from the belief that we're being guided through this life. And so I see failure as um, just a way to steer me in a different direction. Um, And yes, it might mean that you're not good enough at that thing, but then maybe you weren't meant to be good enough at the thing because you're destined to be in another in another avenue what are your thoughts on that perspective of like being taken through life or guided yeah I I also believe that and I also think that there's it's sort of like there's this idea that in this example like if I had not gotten a job if nobody had ever hired me to dance that it would have been like oh you failed at that and therefore every action that you took towards that goal was a waste of your time. And I don't think that that's true. So just because you don't succeed at the the goal that you had on paper, and, and so yes, that would have been a failure as to what my goal had been. But I, like, for example, for me, a lot of changes were made in my life because towards that goal. Um, for example, I was homeschooled for high school because my school that I was training at, my dance school was so far away. I, I couldn't have done enough of the school day. I would have had to have left too early. So I was homeschooled for high school. And because of that, I was able to do um, high school in a way that was really tailored to my strengths and my interests. And I was able to like really delve into the more literary and literature and English and those kinds of subjects, which I'm just more skilled at, more interested in, in a way that would not have been an option for me had I been at a more standardized high school, just because you can't tailor those kinds of things as much to an individual student. And so the side effect of my dancing was a totally different type of education that I got that I would argue led me to a much more lifelong love of reading and learning than, for example, some of my brothers who did go the more traditional path. And so how can you say then that the choice for me to be homeschooled was in pursuit of my dream of dancing? But, and even if I had failed at that, what I did in that pursuit of that goal still created who I was afterwards. And perhaps that was more instrumental to who I will be lifelong than the dancing that I did. So I think it's very easy to say, oh, you didn't, you didn't achieve your stated goal. So everything that you did towards that goal was a waste. And I don't think that that's true. I agree 100% with you. Um, I think that the, The reason we set goals, a lot of people set them to achieve them. And that is absolutely something that we should be striving for. But I think 
the underlying value of setting a goal is the person you become as you are chasing it. And the, the skills, the knowledge, the experiences you gain through the journey to reach the goal, not necessarily what you experience or what you gain once you've reached the goal. Because when you think about like chasing a dream or chasing a goal, you have to constantly be adapting and developing new skills and learning and changing yourself and improving yourself for the better in order to reach that goal that you've set. And so if you think about all those improvements and changes that you make, you might not necessarily have done all of that without that pursuit of that goal. And you would, might be a totally different person. Right. So I, oh, I absolutely yeah. agree with you. And that's why like most of my, I am aware that most of my students will not become professionals, but if I thought that it was a failure that they didn't become professionals, then why would I open a school that would seem like a mean thing to do? <laughs> right. But I think that working at a high level towards something has benefit in and of itself, even yeah. if you won't achieve the quote unquote goal at the end. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about those benefits. What benefits do you think people gain from or from pursuing such a big high level dream or goal? Um, I think it really helps to focus your life and it can go too much that way too. But um, I just remember being in high school and I had some friends who I just had um, who I didn't, did not dance with. And there would be sometimes things that they would be all worried about, like, Oh, who asked who to the dance or whatever. And, and I remember even at the time thinking, this is not that important <laughs> there. I have, I have a much more important thing uh, that I'm working towards. And while it wasn't like I didn't care about the rest of my life, it, it helps to put things in perspective. Um, now that can go too far uh, on the other end where you uh, have this goal. And if you have a small setback in your goal, you let it derail your whole life. But I think that it can just focus your mind and you're less easily distracted by, you know, you're, you're, you're less likely to be wasting time. Or I think once you decide to take that step of really working towards your goal, it can much more easily take you out of that mindset of being trapped by what others think of you which I think, especially for um, teenagers, and I can only speak for teenage girls, because I was never a teenage boy, um, that can be really uh, a very difficult mindset to be in. And so having this something that you are working towards, so every decision that you make can be aligned towards that. It gives meaning to what you're doing, and it gives you value to give up things as well. Like, yes, I'm not going to go to that party because instead I'm going to rehearsal and that party would be fun and I want to go to it, but I'm going to go do this other thing in pursuit of my goal. And I, I think at least for me, that those were once I started working towards that goal, those became easier choices to make, like easier and easier. And just you can work 
you just have something to work towards. So you don't have as much, what do I do with my time? What am I doing? What those sort of uh, amorphous existential crisis that people have all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about those sacrifices that you mentioned. Um, I've definitely had to make sacrifices for my goals and I know you have. Were there any specific examples of sacrifices you can give um, that you made during your dance journey? Yeah, I mean, I think I did the same as most people who ended up as a professional. Um, and I, I can list some of them. You know, I didn't really, I, I did not go to high school dances. I did not really do any of that. I was homeschooled and I did my high school career in three years so that I could move away a year early to, to dance already. And I, you know, would, didn't have anything what most people would call the normal high school experience, I guess. Um, but I know a lot of people would say that those are sacrifices. I, at the time, did not see it that way. And looking back, I did not see it that way. And I think that that is something that really was invaluable for me, that I had this thing that I wanted so badly and I enjoyed I enjoyed the pursuit of it as much as I enjoyed when I achieved it. It, I did not want to be doing anything other than working towards my goal. And once I had built up kind of the discipline of doing that, which I think is easier to do when you're a kid because you have parents who are helping you. I think that gets a little bit harder as an adult, but the, the action of working toward it, including the sacrifices that of things you quote unquote give up, they don't feel like things you've given up and the action of working towards it, it's enjoyable because you understand that it's moving you towards your goal. So I can go through things I didn't get to do or things like family events I missed or whatever, but they didn't feel like sacrifices. <laughs> I I loved what I was doing because I was working towards what I wanted. And I think if people understood that if you have that thing that you really want and you're working towards it, even if it's really hard, you know, you're so tired, your feet are bleeding, what, what <laughs> you're not at your dance, your high school dance, it doesn't matter. You're, you're happy to be working towards your goal. Yeah. I think, I know for me sometimes, making those sacrifices and giving up something and this might sound a little strange but it's almost empowering in a way like yes that thing would be fun or yes it'd be nice to spend time with this person or that person but it almost it's almost like a reassurance of like I am so committed and I'm so driven that I am going to do everything in my power to reach this and so when you make that choice in the moment of like you know what I'm going to go um, ice my feet instead of like go out tonight or something like those are sacrifices and they feel they feel almost I don't know the only way I can describe it is empowering yeah I I think for me it just felt like why would I make any decision that is not furthering mm-hmm. my journey that is every decision was like well I mean I could go do that or I could do this other thing that's going to make me a better dancer right Right. And again, I think some of that is because it is such a young career. I think that that's much, 
I would not be able to do that now. There's too many responsibilities, other in other responsibilities in my life. So it's, it, there is a unique time in your life where it can be that um, pinpointed of a mindset, yeah. but it's, it's still going to be, um, even if you have other responsibilities, just, okay, how can I work towards my goal? Right. Maybe I can't do it 24 seven, like I could when I was 15, but. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. That window of time. Um, I know you once told me several years ago that you gave yourself a timeline to get into a professional company and you had told yourself that if you didn't reach your goal in that timeline, you were going to move on. Am I remembering mm -hmm. that correctly? Yep. Yes, that's correct. Why, why did you do that for yourself? And why do you think that was an important piece for your journey? Um, so there were several factors towards that. And, uh, one was just knowing myself and one was very um, just down to earth reality. So the first one was that I knew that I wanted this career, but I also knew that I knew myself and I knew that if I got into a company and was always at the bottom, you know, there dancers that are in the core and they and they love it like I've danced with people like this and they just they're so happy and I do love dancing in the core it's really really fun but I knew myself and I knew that that was not going to be fulfilling for me if I was not good enough in the career to get into the bottom level within I think I gave myself two years out of high school if I wasn't good enough in the industry to break in in that amount of time, then I probably was not also going to be good enough to really succeed once I got in. And for me, I would not have been happy with that. That would, for me, not have been my version of succeeding. And I would have felt not fulfilled by it. So that, that was the knowing myself version. And then the down to earth, just facts of life version is that I have a lot of siblings and my parents were um, always very, very supportive of me dancing, but you know, there's only so much money. And so they had spent a good amount of money on summer intensives and training for me when I was in high school. And so there was a certain amount of time that they were willing to pay for my training. And after that, it was like, well, you are an adult now you have chosen this. So I had to support myself. So at a certain point, it was like, well, if I'm going to support myself, and I'm not getting paid, that's going to mean that I'm bartending, you know, till three in the morning, and then dancing at 9am. And I it just, it wasn't going to work, I either had to be good enough to, to earn at least a little doing it. Yeah. Or I, I would have been living a pretty, um, a, a pretty tough financial life and, it, and it's hard already so that was just some of like the just the down to earth and then kind of the last thing was I if I wasn't good enough to make it in and I had given myself two years but since I graduated high school a year early I would have then been able to have gone to college and I would have just been one year older than everybody else so it would have been still easier for me to transition to another career so I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, but for me, knowing what 
I would be satisfied with and the realities on the ground of my family and financial situation, that is what I chose to do. And for me, it was a good choice. And I almost didn't, it was like last minute that I had a job (laughs) at the end there. So, and that's where it comes that point that we made earlier of like, those failures are just guiding you. I feel like that might have been at that moment that that last minute was when you got that job. It was like, whatever was guiding you was, was just steering you in the right direction. And it happened to be that last minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think because and I think I know the answer to this, but because you gave yourself that timeline, did you do you think there was more urgency, um, more drive to like reach that goal? Do you think if you hadn't, let's say your financial situation, everything was totally different, and you didn't set up a timeline? Do you think your level of urgency would have been different? I don't know. I think no, not in the immediate, but I think I maybe would have been okay with letting it drag on, Mm. but maybe not. I think I maybe was willing to take more risks also in that moment. But I, I, I wonder, you know, I wanted it so badly, even if I hadn't been giving myself more time, it's very difficult for me to say that there's a lot of, um, ifs or buts in your question, then it's difficult for me to say, well, if this, I would have, but just trying to think back to like how desperately I wanted it. I, I think I wanted it so desperately that, um, I probably still would have gone for it, um, as hard as I did, but, but that's very difficult to say. I don't know, because I knew that I would not, it was going to be it for me if I didn't find something that year. So Right. Um, maybe not. That's really that's really difficult to to say. Actually, yeah. so it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and I knew this about you before before <laughs> the podcast, but this conversation has just kind of reinforced this. You have a very driven, goal oriented, success oriented mindset. Um, is that something? you've always had? Is that something you developed over time? Do you think dance developed that for you? Um, no, I think that was just always how I have always been like that. Um, from, and even like, you know, you hear stories of like, oh, when you were two, you did this, (laughs) that, or the other. So, I mean, I have no memory of that, but apparently I was like that always. And I, I think, yeah, that's definitely something that I can't necessarily take credit for. Mm. Um, it's definitely just in my personality. And so I'm lucky in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I think there can be downsides to it as well. So I know some people right. have said to me, oh, you're just so lucky that you have that. And I am, I'm not denying that because I, I think I was just born with that kind of drive towards mm-hmm. whatever my goals were. But, you know, you can every gift has a downside if you don't use it properly too. So I think there have been times where it's like, oh, maybe I should have also paid attention to this friendship and not just Mm -hmm. my goal, things like that. You know, it's, yeah, there's always balance, but yes, I, I've always been a a fairly driven person. Yeah. And I, 
I'm the same way. I was just born with, you know, drive and detail and goal orientation, but you know, not everybody has that. Um, and so, cause I, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, like those qualities are very helpful when you're trying to chase a dream or a goal, but what do you do if you're not just gifted with that drive from the start? Is it yeah. that you find something so compelling that it builds in you or how, how do you go about managing that? Well, I think, um, yeah, like I definitely had that goal that I wanted so badly that everything kind of worked towards it, but I've also had things, you know, in my life as simple as dieting that you're like, I know I should do this and it's a goal of mine, but I don't really, it's like, I care about it in that I want it, but I don't really care about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, in those instances, um, it's, it's just, it's habit. It's just building the habit and you can sort of, it's really hard on the, on the front end. Um, for me, one of the things that's so simple, but like just going to bed on time, like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm such a night owl. If I didn't have to wake up ever in the morning, I would be just so productive at three in the morning, just staying up all night. But that's not really, doesn't really work with my schedule. And so just forcing myself to have like, okay, this is at a reasonable time that you need to go to bed. And and so, and I go in and out of doing that well and not doing that well, but it's just building that habit. And that's because it is a goal of mine. I would like to have a better sleep schedule. And, but it's, it's not like dancing where it's like, I want it so badly. It's like, I want it because it's good for me, but also I don't care about it that much. <laughs> so um, it's, I think when I'm doing well with it though, is when I'm just building the habit I'm just making myself act as though I am driven to it. And then eventually it, it, that habit becomes more part of you. And then the next habit that you try to build is a little bit easier. And the next one is a little bit easier. So yeah, it's, it's definitely easier if you do have that goal that you're like, you know, I, I, people talk about their children that way, that they would just do anything for their child and it wouldn't even feel like a sacrifice. So it's, you know, if you have that kind of drive, that's obviously easier to do the sacrifices needed for it. But even if it's an easier or a, a less intense drive, I think it's really the, the idea of building the habit of acting, doing the actions that you would do even if you're forcing yourself to do it and it does feel like more of a sacrifice and then you're kind of building that discipline muscle. Yeah. I really love that you brought up like a spot in your life that you're not as driven towards because I think sometimes there's um, so just some people get a little bit confused when they see high performing people, success driven people that like they always do everything right everything is for goals <laughs> they never take downtime or they never make mistakes they never have a day where they go to bed at 3 a.m and that's so not true I yeah no. experience I no not at all <laughs> everyone has spots in their life that they struggle at and even if you are very success driven or goal oriented towards a big goal they're going to be moments where you might slip and you mm -hmm. might um, make a decision that doesn't necessarily align. You know, I know for me, I have a 
time that I try to wake up at in the morning and it's pretty early and it does not happen every morning. You know, it's a goal and I work towards it and it's something I'm really driven towards. It's something I really want to do for myself every morning. But there are days when I just accidentally hit snooze and don't even realize it and it happens. And so I think that um, that confusion can be almost, I don't want to say toxic, but it can be not great for people who maybe are watching other high performers and seeing like only seeing the good and not really realizing that everyone has their thing. Oh, everyone has their thing. And you go in and out of it. I mean, yes. all high perform. It, it, it's like, yes, there were times, there's times in my life where I'm more uh, what disciplined on mm-hmm. all the things. And then, you know, then there are low times in your, in your life. Yeah. Something happens in your family, something and that, and you see that all the time with, especially athletes when they, their career finishes and it's like, now what? Yeah. And, and it's like, you think, oh, well, they'll be able to take all that discipline forward. And yes, they know how, but like, once you take away the why it can be really difficult. Yes. And so it's not always so easy. Right. As I think people think like, oh, you, you just have this habit and it just stays for your whole life. But I wish, yeah. <laughs> I wish that were true. Yeah. Let's talk about that moment where um, you achieve the goal and then you have that like, well, now what? You know, with dance, it's a little different because your goal was to become a professional dancer and your now what is, well, now I have these roles to work towards. Well, now I have the promotion. Like there's more to mm-hmm. go for in the dance career. Yeah. But I mean, was there any feeling of like, um, did you have any moment in your career and maybe it happened more after your professional career ended where you were like, well, now what? Um, yeah. Well, actually, when I did have my first contract, about just a few months in, I did have like a, okay. And it wasn't, well, now what? Because I loved my job and I right. I wanted, like you said, there's always, that's one of the things that I like about ballet but I I would suspect it's most goals actually it's very rarely is there perfection there's always more that you can be can be working towards and um but up until that first contract that I had it really was every moment of my life was geared towards how can I get a job mm-hmm. everything free time everything it was like how is this furthering me towards my goal that was it that was the one decision that that's all that I I often say like if I could like want to be a good person as much as I want to dance I would be Mother Teresa right now (laughs) like I wish (laughs) I wish that I could have that that kind of drive that I had when I was that age but um but so I still I still loved the career it wasn't like now what? Because I mm-hmm. loved going to work every day. I, w- I wished that I could dance more just, but I did have uh well, who else am I? Am mm-hmm. I anything else? Because all of a sudden, like I was getting paid to dance and I, and I still needed a part-time job, but it didn't need to be so desperate where it was like, I was, there was no downtime, um, which is kind of how I'd been before just to make ends meet and everything. So it was like, oh, I do actually have, you know, a night off um, what do I like to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who am I? And, um, so I spent a year 
there. And then I moved to Chicago and I was 20 or 21 and I was still dancing there. I was doing like freelancing, but I wasn't dancing as intensely. And part of it was, I was like, I have to make friends. I had like, who else am I? What else am I other than just a dancer? Cause I just really had just this one definition. That was it. And really the only other thing I could have said about myself was that I liked to read mm. and that I was seemed like not enough <laughs> to build a life on. So that would be what I think is the downside of being so driven is that you can really pinpoint yes. what, what every decision is being made out of. And I don't think in my case, I would have succeeded had I not, but I did consciously take some time and I was like, oh, maybe I should like date someone like I had never even considered that. Like what? That is a waste of my time. Everybody who's dating people seems very distracted. And I have a goal and I don't need to be dealing with that waste of time. And so just taking that time to actually just have a life that was not my career. But I, I don't think I would have been able to have taken that time until either I had achieved the job and or changed careers. But yeah, I, I mean, I consciously had a social life and went to the museums and shows and just did almost any activity possible just to try it. Mm-hmm. And that was, it, it was definitely because I was like, I don't know who else I am because now I have achieved this goal and I love it and I want to keep working forward in it but what else is there? Yeah. Well, and the unique thing about ballet, and I would argue most athletics is um, there are physical limits too. You know, there comes a point where in the day you can't, you can't just dance 24 hours all the time and never stop. Like that's not, not sustainable. So there becomes a point where you, Mm -hmm. you might want to dance more. You might want to push yourself further and your body won't let you. Um, I know I've experienced times where I've pushed really hard and cross training and done so much ballet and all this stuff because I'm just like I want to have you know the best fitness I can I just want to be so in shape and my body has forced me to stop I've gotten really sick just I came down really ill it was like my body was saying Mm -hmm. you you can't do this so balance I think is something that is really important and like you said people who are so driven they don't always think they should have balance they kind of see balance as that waste of time yeah like well that's gonna steer me away and I, you kind of already spoke to this. What are the va- what's the value in that balance? Physical balance, mental balance, social balance. You know, I think we have to have balance in every area, obviously, especially in in a field that is so physical. Um, yeah. Um, well, I think the most obvious benefit to balance is it gives you if something is not going well at let's say your job in this case would be ballet. Like you have a, just a terrible rehearsal or you lose a part, you know, you're in rehearsal for a part and they take it away from you, which is basically like as a professional, other than getting fired, mostly the worst thing that could happen to you. (laughs) And (laughs) if you have no balance in your life, that is just going to, that could just derail your life. But if you have some balance, like, yes, that is still going to suck. That is going to be a terrible experience for you. 
but there'll be something else that is important to you in some way. And so it can help soften blows. It can help put perspective on things. You know, this, this is terrible. I am upset, but it is not the end of my life or the end of the world. And other people, if I went up to, if I was at a grocery store and went and went up to somebody and said, Oh my gosh, this tragedy has happened in my life. I lost a part. They would nine times out of 10 be like, let me tell you about a real tragedy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, most people have experienced real tragedies. And so it can give you that balance and that expect that um, just perspective that not to say this doesn't hurt or this is not hard, but that it's, it's one thing among many that I care about and that I have some interest in. And then of course, like in the worst case scenario, let's say you're working towards this goal and it does not work. You don't get the job. You get injured and you can't dance anymore at all. You know, that's especially in an athletic pursuit. That's a could happen at any moment. And then your career is just done. And if you have some other interest, then it doesn't feel so hopeless in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, think and then especially in like an artistic pursuit, if you have no other interests, it will be difficult for you to bring artistry Mm -hmm. also into your job, which is a little bit more specific to ballet, but. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit about Central Midwest Ballet. Um, for anyone okay. listening who doesn't know, I danced for a year with Central Midwest Ballet. A lot of my training came from there. They're an incredible studio. And I know Molly has a really, really beautiful vision for the dancers who dance there. So why don't you talk a little bit about like, why did you start CMB? What's your vision for those dancers? Just tell us a little bit about about the studio. Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, I started the school because like I said I grew up in Pennsylvania and growing up um more on the east coast there were just so many options of where you could train that had the quality of training that you would need to move forward to the next level on your path to a professional career you know yes I had to be homeschooled because the drive was like a little bit more than an hour but I didn't have to move away And I had a few options within like a two hour drive that were all like produced professionals that were all really quality training academies. But that is not the case everywhere in the country. And so in my professional career, the people that I danced with in the various companies that I was at that were from kind of the upper Midwest, um, pretty much all went to boarding school. They, they had to move away at 13 or 14. Um, and to a certain degree, you're kind of giving up your childhood in pursuit of your dreams. And I think mm-hmm. you already, you already give up a lot and make a lot of changes to your life. But at least, you know, I, I did get to grow up with my brothers. I have a relationship with them now still. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not go to high school with them, but I did live in the same house with them and see them every day. And I think it's, it's the kind of thing that you don't think about too much at that age, that that doesn't like, Oh, whatever. I don't, who cares about that, but it is important later. It's more important later than you think. And then also just the thing of when you are working so 
dedicatedly towards this dream, like we talked about, it's really easy to get blinders on Mm -hmm. and then start making really poor decisions that you think are going to help you, but they are not, whether they're health decisions or, you know, emotional health or whatever they are. And if you're still there with your parents, you have a support system to help you. And if you're at a boarding school, it usually it's, it's easy for it to get more ingrained or a worse situation before people know about it than if you're at home every day. And so when I stopped dancing, I did have the opportunity to go back to Johnstown and teach there. Um, But, you know, that school was lovely and it's still there and there's so many opportunities for kids in that area. And so I just wanted to open this school here and try to bring the training to this area so that people could work towards their dreams, but also have their childhood. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not they go on to become professionals, it's just getting the level of training that you need, that it could be an option for you, but you still can know your siblings and have the support of your parents. So that was really the, the main reason why I stayed in Wisconsin and didn't move back when I finished dancing. Yeah. And I, I think I've told you this before, but the way that you guys approach training at CMB um, was something that I hadn't experienced in the past. I had past experience before I went to CMB um, and I had good training in the past, but you you guys approach it from such an anatomical perspective that I had never been exposed to before. Um, and I just, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like why you, you not like why you teach the way you do, but like what, what <laughs> I mean, I guess just why like you why teach the way you the do, focus. Like, yeah. <laughs> what benefit, like why do you take it from that perspective? Um, well, when I, switched training that was one of the things that I that was so different too um like I said the school that I started at did an an awesome job of just instilling the love of the art form and the artistry but I went to a one-week summer intensive at the school that I eventually switched to in high school and I just watched these dancers who were my same age and it just blew my mind I was like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I didn't even know that Mm -hmm this is like a paradigm shift. Like I thought I was good and I'm watching. It's like a different language. You're so much better than me. And then that's when I was like, I have to switch. I've got to train here. And when I went there, it was like that for me, like, Oh my gosh, just how you're talking about everything is at a whole other level and awareness of the body And, you know, a lot of those teachers, like we had teachers from New York City Ballet and Juilliard and Pittsburgh Ballet and just all over the place that came in and taught us. And so I was really uh, fortunate, honestly, to have those instructors and um, that understanding of how my body works. And I had a lot of bad habits that I had to retrain and I had to really understand what I was doing to make the changes, which took me a long time, which was partially why I did not want to be a teacher because I really saw the damage that you could do. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I guess just 
throughout my career, I spent a lot of time doing Pilates and all those kinds of things that you do, the different cross training. And so for me to understand how to fix the bad habits that I had, in my mind, it was the anatomical teachers that I had that made sense. And so I, and I'm so paranoid about not injuring my students mm -hmm. that to me, that's like, yes, hopefully some dancers go on to be professionals and that's, that would be awesome. But more importantly, if I could just not injure anyone, that'd be best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so to me, that's how I think to, that makes sense to do it. Yeah. And that's something that applies not to just to ballet when you talk about bad habits that you have to break. Um, that applies to any goal. If you have a bad habit, sometimes all you need is just like a different perspective. It's just have someone tell you the same thing in just a little different way. Um, so that's how that. Oh, works. yes. Oh, for sure. yeah. Um, well, oh, I definitely can tell that, you know, anyone listening can hear that you're very, very passionate about CMB and about your students and just really um, delivering them with the skills that they need to be professional if they want it the right way. There is a way to deliver those skills in not a right way. And you absolutely do it in a way that's healthy and um, develops a, a love of ballet in the dancers versus, unfortunately, some places develop a, a hatred of ballet, which not hatred, but it they take the, the love out of it for some students. And you your studio is the opposite. It instills oh. the love probably further. So for anyone, well, thank you. that's yeah, really nice. Here, thank you. <laughs> yeah, for any anyone listening who um, has really been touched by what you've talked about today or anything, is there any way that they can contact you, socials, or maybe support CMB? Kind of maybe they want to see a performance or um, you know take an open class or something. What what are the ways that they can get in touch with you and and Central Midwest Ballet? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Well, our website's probably the first best stop, and that's um, cmballet.org. And we'll always have information about upcoming performances and open classes and summer camps and training and all of that. And, of course, we are a nonprofit, so if anybody wants to donate money, that's always lovely. And it does um, it does really help because we, we – um, so far, and I'm like really proud of this, especially we have not turned away a single family that has um, applied for and qualified for financial aid. And I always want to make sure to do that because would not have had the opportunities that I had if places did not offer that. And so that's why we, we offer that. And we always want to make sure that we have the funding available for that because yeah. it can be expensive and yeah. And so, yeah, yeah actually, simple. I want to talk about that because obviously not my, my whole audience doesn't necessarily know ballet. Um, ballet is expensive. <laughs> it's very, very expensive. Um, the training, the summer intensives, the costumes, the performances, auditions, it all costs quite a bit. And that adds up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, supporting a studio like CMB, not only does it allow them to put on great productions, high quality productions. It allows them to help those students who love ballet, they really do, but finances are an issue. So definitely if you if you like what Molly has talked about today, consider helping them out in some way. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica. And thanks anybody else for considering that. Yeah. And so, okay, so the website, <laughs> is there any other way that 
Is there, does CMB have any um, social media platforms that people could yeah. follow and watch along? Yep, we're on Facebook and Instagram. So our Instagram is, of course, a little bit more image-based and a lot more images of our dancers dancing and training. And Facebook has more information on events and things like that as well. So you can follow us on either of those platforms too. Great. Okay, well, I have one last question for you, Molly. What is success to you? It's such a funny question because it sounds so easy, but it's actually kind of like a hard question if you yeah. <laughs> really think about it. I know, like like I mentioned before, that used to be so cut and dry when I was young, just, oh, I want to be a dancer, right? period. <laughs> that, was, that was it. And then when I was dancing, it was just, um, I want to keep doing this as long as I can. But I know when I stopped dancing, which was rather abrupt, not exactly planned, and that really threw my world into turmoil and to figure out like, what is my goal now? And it's not so clear cut as it, as it always had been, which is, which is difficult if you've grown up your whole life with this direction and then there it's gone. And so that's actually something that I've been like working through and to figure that out. And I, I don't have, I think the the real answer honestly has become, I'm just, kind of playing the long, the long game here. I want to, I want to be moving in a positive direction, of course, with my, with my school and with my studio, but I, I would like to end up in heaven that one day. And that is kind of my definition of success. That is such a great answer. That's, uh, I've heard people talk about what success is to them. Yeah. I've heard people talk about what success is to them. And I've, I've never heard anyone say that. And like, that was just an enlightening moment for me. Like that is such, such a great way to answer that question. Wow. Okay. Well, this has been amazing. I promised the audience amazing value and our first episode has already delivered way more than I was expecting. So this has been so great, Molly. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and to talk to everyone today. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. And it was lovely to talk to you again, Jessica. Yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you you really consider um, the website, the social medias that of CMB and consider supporting Molly and her studio because they're doing great things. We will talk to you again soon. What an amazing episode by Molly. I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did. She was so inspirational, so motivational, and I hope you guys feel motivated to go chase your dreams now that you have all of that really valuable knowledge. We will have all of the ways to get in touch with CMB and Molly in the show notes. We will put that website in there, CMB's social media. Please consider reaching out and supporting CMB because Molly's doing great things with that academy. And as always, if you liked what you heard today on Triple E, you're going to love what Mindful Ontogeny has to offer, mindset development coaching, motivational speaking, and tutoring. Please give our website a visit, www.mindfulontogeny.com. You're going to love what we have to offer, and it is going to take your success to that next level, just like this podcast with Molly did. We will talk to you soon on Triple E. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. Remember, if you have any comments or questions, please reach out. I'm so excited to talk to you again soon. 
Thanks for listening to Triple E.